Welcome to Eat, Sleep, Wine, Repeat, a podcast for all you wine lovers who, if you're like me, just cannot get enough of the good stuff. I'm Yanina Doyle, your host, brand ambassador, wine educator, and sommelier. So stick with me as we dive deeper into this ever-evolving, wonderful world of wine. And wherever you are listening to this, cheers to you. Hello to you all, and welcome back to a interesting, different kind of episode, because today, wait for it, we're not going to be talking about wine, but in fact, cider. However, the good type of cider. Now, don't switch off straight away. There are loads of comparisons between well-made, 100% fruit juice cider and wine. So Alistair Morrill came to me after a long career as a wine buyer in booths and Asda. In fact, he discovered and was the first person to sell Yellowtail in the supermarkets, but had a eureka moment with a specific cider brand. And then it all went from there. Now he came to me saying, listen, I want to show you these ciders and convince you that cider is wine. At first, my wine brain got in the way and said, no, absolutely not. I'm not interested. And then I started reading up on these specific ciders and perries, seeing the reviews, seeing wine critics and sommeliers that I trust holding these ciders in such high regard. And then I just had to taste them and talk with him. So we're going to be discussing cider making techniques techniques and compare those to the winemaking techniques, looking at uh, vintages matter like they do in wine, pairing cider with food. The International Wine and Spirits competition has in fact added in a new category where they are tasting these ciders as if they are wines. And you're going to learn processes like the keeving process and, oh my god, the value. I mean, I think this is the part that I'm most excited about. Oh, and the alcohol level being so low. So go with it, have your mind open, and let's see if we can convince you that cider is wine. Alistair, do you feel ready to convince me that cider is wine? (laughs) Uh, Totally, absolutely, totally comfortable to persuade you that cider might be considered as wine. Maybe we should put it like that. Okay, okay. Well, listen, it's not just me that you've got to convince. It's everybody listening. So Mm. let's just dive straight in. You've had so many years working in the wine industry, tasting, selling, involved making wine, everything. And then you've gone across to, I'm going to say cider a lot, but that's my default because I probably should say fruit wine. So just, you know interchangeably go with it so you kind of got onto the cider world like how did that happen uh well it was a eureka moment really um okay, I'd we actually, like moments I, like that mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I i'd uh, actually started doing some writing for a cider in the north of sweden mm-hmm. uh while studying for my mba and um uh, andreas sent me some samples over and he was kind of chirping on in my ear that basically his process of making ciders is exactly like wine and I thought well nah that's not really true is it because <laughs> when I did my wine exams they said that you can make wine from grapes mm-hmm. not true so um when I tasted these samples I had to take a step back and reevaluate everything that I thought I once knew 
These were so, um, well, uh, wine-like. And I, I thought, well, uh, that's incredible. I've never tasted anything like that before. Mm. And of course, when you look into the definition of wine, um, you look at the Cambridge English Dictionary or the Collins English Dictionary, the definition of wine is an alcoholic drink made from any fruit or flower. So in actual flower fact... Flower as well. Hmm? Flowers. Flat okay. as in the blooming type. Oh, yes, of um, course. Not corn flour. <laughs> we're not into bake-off. No, even no. though there's yeast involved as well. But yeah. Uh, yeah, in actual fact, we have a very Europeanized view of what wine is. Um, very much channeled down the grape line, which I think was mm-hmm. uh, mostly corralled by the French. Um, but in actual fact, wine in a kind of wider landscape is very much about a fermented product from a fruit from a flower and indeed if you go to China today uh, and you ask for a, a glass of wine you'll be asked which fruit do you want your wine from oh look at that for choice okay uh, uh, but you know uh, ultimately we're not trying to make cider into wine or wine into cider but what we are trying to do is to persuade people that there's really good reasons to have another look at cider made from 100% juice not from concentrate made according to or close to the EU uh, law because whilst there's an EU law for for how do you make wine there isn't one for ciders and perries and you might say mm-hmm. well we're not in the EU anymore but the thing is that the EU makes 60% plus of the world's wine and therefore they hold the whip hand when it comes to its definition and it's really it's largely upheld wine is made exclusively from grapes ciders oh. and perries on the other hand it's the wild west in terms of production values <laughs> And, 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 you know, almost anything goes. So what we, Cideris Wine, tries to do, uh, does in actual fact, is assert a standard, a quality standard that is uh, every producer, every product that we work with is made from 100% fresh pressed juice, uh, not, not from concentrate. And that's a, that's a standard that we uphold uh, as a business, uh, as a quality mark, um, and, uh, and and for every product that we sell. Do you think that is why most people wouldn't even consider that cider is wine or it could be treated as wine simply because there's so much cider on the market that is made from fruit concentrate? Well, look, I mean, ultimately, cider has got a really bad name for itself uh, and it is the bottom of the alcohol pile when you look at the different categories. And cider perception, you know, I know it myself. If I go and taste ciders with consumers, as we do many times, and we say, try this cider, oh, no, thanks. Something I used to drink when I was 16. Oh, yes, I had a bit too much of that when I went to the festival. Or You know, you get this sort of uh, commentary back. So Mm. it really is seen as, as, as the down and dirty drink. And what we're saying is actually uh, it doesn't have to be um, when you actually make it like wine then uh, you actually open up a whole new world of flavor and experience that is very similar to wine it's just that the fruit is different um, and uh, and that's what uh, that's what I found as somebody as a real foodie I love my food I love my drink um, then to, to be able to explore this whole new world of, uh, of taste and flavour and food matching uh, was just absolutely terrific. It's been a real eye-opener and continues to be. 
Well, I'm definitely going to touch on the food and wine pairings in a second. But as you well know, over these two episodes, I have six (laughs) wines to get through. And I'm going to call them wines. I'm going to assume you're going to convince me. And they're staring at me. Okay, so... I want to have a go on the first one and have you maybe take me through how it's made and, you know, convince us, right? Exactly, that is your job. So I've got the Able, and it says Method Cider 2017. So this is a vintage cider. Um, does, Does vintage matter? Absolutely, vintage matters. Uh, Mm -hmm. Vintage matters uh, in every walk of agriculture in actual fact because Mm -hmm. vintage just means season and each growing season is different. The climactic conditions are different, uh, the environments are different and naturally, therefore, when you're producing a low intervention product like these, uh, um, then you're going to end up with a different outcome and that's why vintage matters in grape wines of course Mm -hmm. because uh, each season provides a different taste a different angle because these are as I said low intervention products they're they're things that the fermentation actually controls the flavor uh, very much we can only sort of manage as a human intervention from outside Um, whereas with brewing and distilling the other two distinctive alcohol processes manufacturing processes Mm -hmm. they both require heat whereas fermentation does not fermentation the heat is within the fruit and so it can't uh, we can only control a certain amount of things within this uh, within this process it's, it's a largely natural process and so it is with abel abel uh, comes from apples and pears okay and that's why we say wines from apples pears and other fruits because we see them as wines and to be appreciated like wine so I, I hope you've got a nice wine glass there I, um, I do you know? I do I have my Riedel glasses I'm treating Excellent. this like wine and in fact I just want to point out to everyone because they can't see this is a really cute bottle uh, you'll you'll see pictures on my Instagram so everyone go there but it's a 500 milliliter bottle and let's point out something here seven percent alcohol so this is a perfect little size to drink by yourself right yeah, or or share. I mean, I think this is the... <laughs> or share. Could do if you feel like it. <laughs> Feeling generous. I mean, this is this is one of the things that I find really uh, intriguing and beautiful about uh, these ciders, and and the able method of cider is is made like champagne, exactly mm-hmm. like champagne. So okay. they take they they mill the fruit, apples mm-hmm. and pears, about eighty percent apples, twenty percent pears. That makes juice. Um, now, when you mill the uh, the apples and pears, you naturally mill the skins as well as uh, mm-hmm. the, the fruit itself. Whereas with grape wines, you might separate out as you crush the grapes, the juice and the skins early on. With ciders, typically, and perries, then um, you include the uh, skins to a certain degree. And I'm getting tannin. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly that. I can taste quite so a bit of tannin. Mm-hmm. Almost every cider and perry has some, some tannin. And so they take the juice, they ferment it into still wine, uh, then they put it into bottle with a small dosage of the actual original juice, unfermented juice, because it's still high in fructose sugar, don't forget. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, f- they then finish off the fermentation in the bottle. Now, uh, this one is, uh, Abel is not disgorged, i.e. Um, the result of a fermentation is a slight sediment in the, in the bottle. And in Champagne, they 
disgorge and that's why you end up with a clear bright liquid. However with Abel it's not disgorged and the yeast leads are still within the bottle and therefore mm -hmm. you will end up with a slightly cloudy uh, Which a, I can a, appearance. Yeah. But also wholesome I would argue and adds to the aging complexity of it as it, as it does get old. Another thing to dispel any myths about um, about these ciders. Yes, they do age, and they age very gracefully. <laughs> How know? long? How long exactly? Can you well, keep them? <laughs> no, you Would can't. I mean, okay. in, in much the same way as you couldn't with wine. You know, there are some wines that will, will taste graceful and, and elegant after 100 years. And it'll depend on how they're stored as well, of course. So what about this one? Um, knowing this kind of, this producer, and it's a 2017, is it kind of like a wine in 10 years' time, more kind of earthy, barnyardy characters will come through and the fruit will diminish? Is that kind of what would happen? I, I, the fruit will diminish. Mm -hmm. Whether you get earthy and barnyardy flavours, I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> because these are these are very cleanly made, new world yeah. style made um, ciders, and and uh, and as such, the fruit remains clean uh, all the way through to the finish. You know, just like uh, grapes uh, when you're making grape wine, a, a maker wants to start with good, clean, fresh fruit. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, the old idea that you're scrumping around for apples off the floor that have, <laughs> that have fallen, it's not a great start because you end up with a load of muck and dirt and all the rest of it. Mm. So actually, you know, the best cider makers are using really clean uh, fruit and uh, they're starting off with a, a very pristine attitude and approach to the make and that's exactly what Mark and Sophie McGill come from winemaking backgrounds their parents are uh, Mark's father is a, a viticulture uh, Sophie's uh, father a winemaker in Marlborough they're based in Nelson now but uh, which is of course just across the hills but mm -hmm. um, that they, they have the total understanding of what it is to be in the wine industry um, and now the cider making industry because they make their ciders just like wine. Lovely. So I didn't realise we'd gone all the way to New Zealand. It was just very ignorant of me. I was thinking, oh, I'm just drinking an English one. But no, of course, yeah. New Zealand has some pretty good apples. And this is Nelson. Uh, uh, you know, I worked in Nelson uh, 30 years ago. I did a vintage in Nelson uh, oh, 30 years ago uh, for grapes. Uh, uh, but in actual fact, one of the guys that I worked for there, he was there uh, from Austria because of the apple and pear uh, industry. Ah. So apples and pears have a, have a great uh, place, an historic place in, in Nelson, uh, north of the South Island, place of the longest amount of sunshine hours in New Zealand as well. And Mark shows the fruit off to brilliant ability, I think. What you'll notice about this is pears. I love pears. Pears are <laughs> extraordinary fruit. Pears have, they are the Pinot Noir of this industry. Okay. Because, okay. because they, they, they have, first of all, a surprisingly delicate, subtle fruit flavour. And yet, and especially in this Abel, you'll notice that on the finish, the pear just powers through assertive and really strong they come through and that's and that's pears for you they look like sort of rather meek and mild and you think they're not <laughs> going to make a difference beware
They do. <laughs> There's just 20% in here, and yet it comes through above the apple, which I think is extraordinary. No, I think you're right, but actually, when we talk about pears, even just the flavour, pears kind of almost give you this more aromatic, floral kind of flavours, whereas apple is mm. tends to be zingy or, or crunchy, kind of, you know, whether I'm describing it well. But I have to say, this is beautifully made because I think you used the word, you know, clean, crisp mm. these kind this is a dry quite it's quite focused like a like a it's got this laser edge to it i feel absolutely you get this tiny bit of biscuity nature mm. and i get this kind of like spicy i don't know if it's like spiced apple or whether it's some like dried apricots or nectarines or something so mm. it's really interesting because i was scared that i was going to taste all these wines also sorry ciders perries fruit wines whatever i, <laughs> I was scared oh i can't handle that i don't know what word i'm supposed to use but i was scared i was going to taste all these beautiful liquid juices and um <laughs> <laughs> and go oh it tastes like apples it tastes like apples it tastes like apples so i'm really pleased to tell everyone there's a bit of a spiciness. There's a little bit of, there's definitely this grip. There's some real tannin. You know, you can taste the, the skin in this wine. You get that kind of nice apple zing, as I was mentioning. But yeah, I agree. You've got this soft, fleshy nature coming out of the finish of the pear. So yeah, really, really nice. And there's some real structure to it. This, this is, you've passed the test on the first one. I'm less scared now. So one of the things that I want to now stray into is food matching because okay, yes. uh, you've described all the features here mm-hmm. of a uh, wine, really, from apples and pears mm-hmm. that also uh, contribute to why it's such an excellent food matcher. Um, arguably better than grape wines. Ooh. Tannin. Okay, all right. Tannin. Um, mm-hmm. You know, as I've said, every one of these has tannin to some degree or other. Mm-hmm. Two, acidity. Typically, these these drinks have double the amount of acidity um, that you'll find in a bottle of wine. Now, people oh, really? might say, okay. people might say, whoa, 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 whoa. Do, I, do I want do, do I want acidity? No, you absolutely do want acidity because it's the balancing feature and factor. It makes you want another glass. Yeah. And three, there's always a certain amount of fructose uh, sweetness left in the in the drinks themselves and that you've described as the fruitiness and the uh, mm-hmm. and the different fruit flavors that you've got now bring mm-hmm. these things together and you've got a harmony that is absolutely superb for food matching but food matching on a different level so when we go to talking about southeast asian foods you can really imagine yeah. these drinks going extremely well with mm-hmm. southeast asian food where we've got hot and sour sweet and sour chilies you know all of these uh, aromatic spices going on aromatic herbs uh, then you can imagine these going really really well and i know they stand up stand alongside stand with these mm-hmm. flavors superbly like wine just cannot okay well then, now interesting you you said that actually you had a really wonderful experience in coworth park so you did this unique cider makers dinner so that's very forward and brave of them and amazing that they did that and i imagine the fact that you've mentioned it was very successful so what were you pairing how did that go so coworth park was a, a an absolute revelation 
The mm-hmm. head chef there, Adam Smith, is completely passionate about uh, ciders. Okay. And so they'd taken uh, Brandland cider for, for a little while. So when we suggested that Andreas come and do a, a cider making dinner, they were delighted, no more so than Adam himself. And bear in mind, this is a Michelin star restaurant, mm-hmm. has about 28 chefs, I think. So, you know, Adam's a, a, a pretty full on guy, you know, he's very responsible. And for him to really pull all the stops out, it was really quite fantastic to have him do this menu. We did the five products uh, from uh, Brandland that uh, they had at the time. Uh, We started off with just cider, which was uh, now no longer in existence, I'm afraid to say. Um, um, Tease us with that and then take it away. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, that's the way that it goes sometimes, isn't it? But that was Andreas's attempt to mould a a British-style cider, as he called it. Obviously, they're from northern Sweden, so his impression of British cider was that it was sort of dry and crisp. But this was made like Moscato Dasty. Okay, so sweetness, soft, lovely little fizz, aromatic. Yeah, a slight bit of sweetness. Mm -hmm. And that was the entry drink. And then Adam did a a series of uh, tasting dishes that, uh, that we had. Caviar tart with Cornish trab, yuzu and cucumber. Um, so, I mean, you've got a lot going on in there already. Yeah. And we were we paired this with the Branland Pearl, um, which is a complex drink. This was the first bottle that I tried that made me take a step back from uh, the tasting table and say, wow, that okay. is something special. Mm-hmm. And this is produced really out of the ice cider production. Andreas's main production is ice cider. Mm -hmm. Um, made uh, from the frozen juice, frozen outside, naturally cold, uh, juice of apples, uh, which pressed in November, December, uh, and then brought in uh, in March, April, after being outside in minus 30, as it gets in in Sweden, uh, in Vanersby, where they are. Mm -hmm. And the sweet juice comes off first, as it does with ice wine. Mm -hmm. And that ferments into ice cider. And when you take, uh, when you you get left with a rump of juice there that is still delicious juice, but it doesn't achieve the sugar levels that are needed for ice cider. So Andreas made this into Brandland Pearl. And and so it's got about 45 grams per litre of residual sugar, natural Mm -hmm. residual sugar fructose, not additional Tate and Lyle, nothing like that. It's... um, And a light, uh, very light spritz or natural fizz, which is waning a little bit now as it ages. But uh, a really beautiful drink, really complex and, uh, and takes you beyond just apples into tarts, into treacle, into more figgy type fruit and, and this sort of thing. And this okay. is what uh, partnered with, both, with the caviar tart, uh, Cornish crab, yuzu and cucumber. Absolutely Amazing. delicious. Okay. Uh, we moved on to sautéed duck liver, uh, apple cider, and ginger with Brandland Claim. Um, mm-hmm. Claim is an ice cider, but produced with a lot lower sugar level than their traditional ice cider. Okay, I can see how the liver would go with that, and also even things like liver foie gras, which is taking it to the next step, or pâtés and stuff. I think a lot of these kind of ciders could pair really well, so I can see how just the liver would work with that. And and the thing that makes it work is the acidity. 
This acidity has just a cut through that means that it matches with these, mm. you know, duck liver is really quite rich. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it matches with the food superbly. Okay. Um, the, uh, then the Coweth BLT, we reverted to Brenland Pearl, broad beans, lettuce, truffle and Maran's egg. I mean, it, it was a sensational menu. You're making me hungry. Oh, mm. Uh, it it makes me hungry every time I look at this menu because these are all beautifully presented really articulate and carefully designed uh, dishes and yet none of them are uh, you could even approach the word big or even medium size they're just arts of work on a plate in in many senses I can imagine um uh, then the Cornish turbot with artichoke, smoked tomato, buckwheat and lemon. And, and the turbot is, you know, the lobster of the flat fish world, really. Uh, and smoked tomato, that was unbelievable. And with it, you know, these these flavours going on were just uh, superb. And okay. by now we'd, we actually moved on to the ice cider. Mm. And so we're pairing ice cider, which is 180 grams uh, residual with sugar. With a fish, with turbot. With a fish, yeah. And, no. and And it was just sensational. Wow, um, okay. I'm shocked with that completely. Well, you know, I mean, that's the point about food matching is you've got to be experimental. You've got to mm-hmm. push the boat out and do something really quite, okay. uh, quite different. Okay. Um, and uh, then the 60-day salt-aged short rib beef, which was utterly delicious. Um, you couldn't have put that with an ice cider. No, we didn't. <laughs> but, but, you know, the, surely. <laughs> it was, you know, these were all Brandland ciders that we paired uh, with them. And actually, if you go to Spain and Astorias, which is, has, a, has a whole culture around cider in, in that region of northern Spain, um, and you get served a steak, um, then the typical drink to match with it is the local Astorian cider. So okay. you mustn't dismiss uh, the notion of, uh, you know, we, we have these very strong templates in our mind of yeah. beef, red wine. But actually, uh, when you push it out and you actually you shut your eyes uh, and, and you think about the taste profile of a, a, a crisp and dry cider with uh, a, a relatively high acidity, uh, then you, you've got a really, very good match um with the beef and certainly with a bit of tannin as well you have a very good match with the uh with the beef well now one thing i often say is if you you know terrible imagine you've only got some champagne or you know english sparkling wine and and you've got a steak in front of you you will cope it will the acidity will cut through that fat so what i want to do now is i have a very interesting looking bottle in front of me that looks like it could be champagne or or cava so this is the the guzman riestra sidra brut nature so of course i would imagine just like with a normal sparkling wine nature means it's been fermented all the way to dryness and there's no added sugar there's no nothing right that's absolutely that's absolutely correct okay good um, 
and I hope you agree, beautifully presented. I mean, it, for all the apples in the southwest of England, then that could be a bottle of champagne by look. It does, absolutely. I think, you know, if you wanted to treat somebody and they didn't like champagne or, they, you know, you wanted to get them into cider, this would be a perfect way to, to sneak it in. Just to point out, everyone, 8%. This is a normal size bottle at 750 mils. But, you know, again, if you don't want to share, everyone, don't share, you know, low enough alcohol. Well, I mean, but... <laughs> Low alcohol is a big. I am joking. It's a big. It's a big okay. thing, isn't it? I mean, yes. um, today people want to drink less but better. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, and wine, you know, really took a bit of a hammering in the last few years about being too high in alcohol. You know, fourteen and fifteen percent alcohols coming over, um, and and yet there are really very few options between wine and beer. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're talking about an average of seven and a half percent alcohol, these wines from apples, pears, and other fruits are absolutely ideal. They are uh, typically uh, that sort of strength. Um, they hover around seven, seven and a half percent. And you and I can sit down and share a bottle of seventy-five centiliters um, at lunchtime, at a different occasion, mm-hmm. uh, a sunny afternoon, uh, a winter's day. Uh, and still walk away from the table having drunk a 75 centilitre bottle very comfortably, very easily. Which ideally is a good idea, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) I I have to say, this is so different from the other one. So again, yay, not everything tastes like apples. I'm so excited. This one, ironically, has like almost even a little bit more tropical notes. So it's got, and even like a bit of a, a very, very minor hint of smokiness. Again... It's got apple vibes going on. Let's not forget. <laughs> but I feel like the other one was a little bit spicier and more biscuity, if you if if you will. Mm-hmm. And then this yeah. one has has maybe riper fruit. Maybe it's a little bit more aromatic and a bit more intense. Um, I actually prefer the first one, by the way. Just but I, yeah. Well, it... I, look, I mean, it's totally subjective, mm. and uh, mm-hmm. uh, they're all individual. Every one of them's got their own story. Yeah, you don't and, have a favorite uh, just... child, do you? No, no parents ever have a favorite child. Just like just like wine, <laughs> uh, you know, we 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 all say, well, I preferred that one to that one, or that. Mm, the, the, and we're Absolutely, totally allowed, and and that's what that's what the beauty of this uh, uh, this this world is. It's a whole new world of discovery to, to do. And and the Guzman Riestras, uh, the the Guzman family, have been making ciders in Asturias for over a hundred years. Ah, so we are in Spain now. This is the classic place for those lovely apples. Okay, Asturias. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So northern Spain, west of uh, Santander, over towards Galicia. And on the coast, uh, they, into the hills, and and then it stretches down to to the coast on a on the plains, uh, and uh, really uh, superb uh, production here. I, I think it's a delightful uh, drink and a, a crisp, incisive, invigorating, mm. um, lovely. Uh, yes, apples, but so much more. Um, you know you. Uh, for me, this goes to kind of more exotic, as you said, you know, yeah. maybe mm. towards things like persimmon and, and that sort of thing. But a wonderfully balanced champagne alternative. What are the price points for these two wines? Obviously, everyone keep in mind that 500 mils is in the first bottle. And then the second one is a standard 75 CL. The Abel Method uh, Cider from 2017 Vintage is £16. Pounds. Mm-hmm. 
and the Guzman uh, Riestra Brut is £10.99. Mm-hmm. And of course, this is a non-vintage. Yeah, because I'm not seeing it. So again, a bit like what we would have with champagne or carver. Um, uh, they're obviously... Or am I lying? Is it a vintage and I can't no, see? No, no, no. I think they're a bit backwards in coming forwards with their <laughs> marketing, really. Because cider has been tainted with this brush, then cider producers often don't display the vintage when it might well be. And this is a, okay. a, a case that it is. This oh, is it 2020 is. vintage. Oh. Um, and this won a IWSC silver medal uh, last year in the first ever 100% Juice Not From Concentrate Awards. Um, that's the International Wine and Spirit Competition, uh, which uh, is one of the most famous competitions for wines and spirits across the world. Mm. Uh, been going for 50 years and we instigated, Cider is Wine instigated a, a new part of that competition around Ah, uh, you did that? Okay, we so, did that. Okay, so, because the International Wine and Spirit Challenge, they actually changed the rules, didn't they? And then they've added in Cider and Perry's. Is that correct? Yes. So it, it, within their wine and spirits category. Okay, but so, only only mm-hmm. from 100% juice, not from concentrate. The real stuff, the real stuff. So tell me then what happened in the 2021 tasting, the first tasting that included these cider perries. So we had uh, well over 100 entries and, uh, and, and that was far more than we'd expected. So that was uh, fantastic in its first year. And with the IWSC themselves, we brought together a panel of expert judges. Um, there was Laura Patry from the High End uh, Ah, of group. course, sommelier, yes. Pollen. Yeah, that's right, the Pollen, Pollen Street group. Social. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christine Parkinson from... Uh, she used uh, to be well, Hackersan. She, she was Hackersan, wasn't right. she? Yeah. She was the uh, group sommelier for Hackersan. Um, with you know, a number of restaurants across the world. And she was that there for nearly 20 years. Um, mm. Now she's a consultant in uh, a lot of low and no uh, alcohol um, products, uh, as well as uh, maintaining a, a, a very strong connection into the wine industry and wine consultancy. Fiona Beckett, who writes, of course, of weekly course, for The Guardian writer. and uh, food and drink uh, matching, uh, food and wine matching particularly, um, uh, and so that was uh, fantastic. Simon Day, who uh, is a, both a cider maker and a winemaker, okay. um, and uh, very passionate about his cider as well. Is Simon comes from a, uh, a line <laughs> of uh, winemakers. His father, Robin Day, was a founder of uh, Three Choirs Vineyard. Ah, okay, um, up in Gloucestershire, isn't it? Gloucestershire, yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Simon was running around vines from uh, year dot, as far as he was concerned. Uh, myself and then Adam Wells, who writes for Cider Review. Um, he was the editor until recently. So uh, a, a really a very strong, uh, knowledgeable group of people from the industry um, judging these uh, ciders, perries and fruit wines blind. And um, it was uh, it a terrific, uh, terrific event. Uh, and we'll uh, we'll be going again this year in the uh, 2022 and we'll expect to be even bigger and better this year as well exciting right well you mentioned again it's not just ciders it's perry so let me pour this is the templar's choice perry and then naturally yeah. sparkling it says this is 5.5 percent alcohol everyone this is a 750 ml bottle um, so let's taste the pears. If it says it's a perry, is it? Does it have to be a hundred percent pear, or can they throw in some apples as well? 
Is it only pair in the pairing? In yes, a pairing. absolutely. Yes. Right, okay. yeah. I'm saying that because I literally don't know. It's so yeah, funny. Yeah. I, I'm so used to doing my wine podcasts and now, right now I'm like, yeah, now I look stupid. Anyway, moving <laughs> no, on, no, moving no. on. <laughs> Just, you know, I'm sure other people don't know exactly what Perry is. So is this made the same way? I mean, they say naturally sparkling. Ostensibly, yes. Okay. However, we introduce a new word to you now, keeping. Oh, no. Oh, yes, keeving. I, well, I saw that when I was reading about some of your stuff. But yes, what yeah. the hell is keeving? So keeving is a unique process to cider and perry making. And both this and the next cider uh, that you're about to taste of keeve. This is made by Ooh. English couple Adam and Anne Bland in mm-hmm. Normandy. Um, mm-hmm. At Lisor, uh, about a mile away from Camembert in mm-hmm. uh, Normandy. But they're from Gloucestershire originally, aren't they? They're from Gloucestershire originally. British couple, good old British, British couple. couple. Yeah, reading the back. I mean, Adam Adams made cider from the about the age of fourteen, mm-hmm. and it, he got fed up with the lack of quality of cider making in the UK and wanted to find somewhere where he could actually make make a difference with real cider. And so they moved out to France and bought Templar's Choice as, a, as an estate and, mm. uh, uh, and, and they make their ciders there. Wow. This is made from pear tree that is uh, about 100 years old. Yeah. Um, and it, it's uh, keeved, as I said, which means that the juice, when they have the juice in a tank, it starts to form a layer of pectin on the surface of that juice. Okay. That layer of pectin starves the juice of the nutrients that it needs to feed the fermentation. And when the uh, fermentation eventually stops, the resulting liquid has a lot deeper colour, more golden a richer color mm-hmm. uh, the nose is richer more textured has uh, more depth to it you're not just tasting uh, the fruit immediately from whence it's came it you're you're tasting a lot broader so instead of tasting pears you're probably now tasting uh, quince and mm. uh, limes and maybe citrusy flavors coming I, there's a, it. yeah there's actually you, you know you said quince but i get a bit of like almost caramel and and like a honeyed sweet note with it which yeah. is but yeah it is dry and there's this powerful grip on the palate and then on the on the palate um keeving will also allow uh, leave a certain amount of natural sweetness on the, mm-hmm, on the palate mm-hmm. fructose uh, sweetness and that's exactly what um this uh, templar's choice has this is then subsequently fermented in the bottle the, fi- the fermentation is finished in the bottle and that's what provides it with that slight right. fizz that you mm-hmm. have there Okay. Um, I, I mean, again, I love this for the uh, for its delicacy and subtlety, and yet if you look at the finish, the finish just carries on and on. I, I, I love to pair this with sushi, um, lighter fish dishes, you know, flatfish uh, place, uh, sole, uh, mm. absolutely uh, delicious with those sort of things. Equally good and surprisingly good with uh, with things like goat's cheese as well. I would want to go with taking some fish that's textural, nothing too mm-hmm. light, but also smoked. I'd want it smoked or, you know, so it starts having that extra intensity just because there's that little bit of, not really sweet, it's not. It's, it no, must it's be not. just it... towards off dry, but it has that honey note. It's quite floral and it's weird. It's like a delicacy to it, but then there's a power definitely on the palate, the the power, the mm. grip. It's it's and it's almost a little bit herbaceous. So now it's yes. kind of um, herbs mixing in with some beautiful fruits. Um, it's lovely. It's written 
This might be my favourite. <laughs> yeah, I, and and many before you as well. I mean, when we taste this, it goes down an absolute storm. Another IWSC uh, silver medal winner. Uh, utterly uh, delicious. I, I, it's, it's a personal favourite. There's no doubt about it. Uh, and I just love this ma- match of the subtlety, lightness, and and yet uh, and yet power at the same mm. time. It's uh, it, I find it utterly intriguing. Absolutely. Now, how much would this cost? So this costs you just. £8.50. No, that's amazing. If you go to ciderswine.co.uk, you can get all of these ciders and perries. And yeah, this is going well so far, isn't it? Now, I know you guys are listening and not able to taste these ciders and perries, but I'm hoping you're also slightly convinced as well. So stay tuned for part two next week. We'll be looking at the age of trees. Does that make a difference? Looking at ice cider in comparison to ice wine. I'll be tasting a cider made with Cabernet Franc grapes. We'll be looking at some of the key regions where you can find the best ciders, what yeasts they use, are they the same as the yeasts used in wine production, and so much more. So make sure you tune in next week. And of course, to finish off, I have a quote for you. But of course, this week it is a cider quote. So I've gone across to Benjamin Franklin, the founding father of the US, who wrote a lot about cider. He loved cider. And he told a story of a response given to a missionary, somebody from a native tribe who was listening to a tale about Adam and Eve. And they said, it is indeed bad to eat apples. It's better to turn them all into cider. Well, after this podcast, I couldn't agree more. Thank you, as always, for listening to this episode. Make sure you've subscribed, you've liked, and you've shared the podcast with your wine-loving friends or cider friends. Do leave me a comment. Do get in touch with me. What do you think of this episode? Have I gone too crazy? Is it too wacky? Or are you ready to embrace the cider revolution? Let me know. And I can't wait to see you again next week for another episode. Until then, cheers to you.